0: All right, everybody! Welcome back to another episode of the Twenty Three Personnel
1: Podcast. I'm your host Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello everybody! And this is the f- is. I think this is the first time we've had ACDC play us in. Probably, I I, I haven't kept track of that. I should. I'm sure someone out there has. I, I'm I'm sure there's a rabid fan that keeps up with all our all of our, our listeners. Our intro music. <laughs> Probably a lawyer, but just a it uh, to Yeah. Someone guy. who rec- uh, represents some of these uh, groups that we've... Well, we talk over it, so I think that makes it legal. Sure, sure. That's what I'm going to go with. It, it better be, because we're about to break a whole bunch later on in the show.
0: Yep. Just Got a little... little surprise for everybody.
1: Yeah, some little nuggets of entertainment
0: headed your way. Nuggets. Speaking of nuggets. Oh. An entertainment. Okay. Michael and I have been approached. I don't know how to how to properly talk about this, but we are going to be doing a pregame show this yes. year. Yes, in a somewhat official capacity
1: on the radio. So yeah, there's um I'm called up. I know, I know. I'm not quite sure how much we can say yet or not, but uh, so just to be safe, we're going to be a little bit. A uh, little bit vague, not coy on purpose, but we're just, uh, we don't want to say too much and then someone come back and say, oh, hang on. Hang on. Now. Hang on, that was... That wasn't right. Y'all went a little, t- that wasn't exa- at all what we discussed. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, crap. Uh, oops. Uh, but anyway, that's something to look forward to, so uh, we'll try to keep y'all updated on, on where to listen and... When? When. Uh, what we'll be doing. And... It's going to be pretty exciting. There's, I'm pumped, man. Pretty good. There's some pretty good perks that come, come with it. So, yeah, we'll keep you all informed. Keep we'll keep you abreast of the situation.
0: Abreast, he
1: said. Breast.
0: Good lord. (laughs) All right. So, we've got plenty of football to talk about this week. Um, We've got some fall camp news. It started this week. This past weekend. We're going to do our honorable mention best wins so far. Uh, for, or sorry, honorable mention best wins of the past decade. We may touch on preseason, basically saying Ezekiel Elliott hasn't
1: signed a contract yet. Oh, NFL preseason? Oh, sorry. That's about all I know. Yeah, um, that's all I know, too. I don't think Dak has either. Yeah, it's okay. That may be the end of that segment.
0: <laughs> we, we may have already done it. <laughs> that's it. And then we shall do. We're going to hold off our, our best wins for our next recording, episode 104, in two weeks. Uh, so that'll be on the 20th. And then we'll do our pre-game preview of the Montana State game on the 27th. So, first, basketball. Did you see this this tweet from a student or a, a Texan Tech fan saying that, that she was getting married?
1: I did, and it was... What is she? She tagged Chris... Or Coach Beard in it, mm-hmm.
0: and asked how many retweets to get him to be the officiant at her wedding.
1: I was like, "That's a that's a that's a big ask." It is because he he responded at first with, "I think he just said something." Hey, when is your wedding?
0: Just yeah. kind of <laughs> he said, "Hey, congrats! When are you get married?" <laughs>
1: yeah, when are you get married, because I, I guess he was well, you know, sitting here in front of the old Google Calendar, I'm going to make sure that I'm not somewhere important. Please don't schedule it the first week of April. Um, You know, just or the first just in case
0: November. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) maybe schedule it a couple weeks after. You know, a couple weeks into April at the earliest. um, But as far as spring is
0: concerned, yeah, he came back and said, um, "Our first game of the season is Tuesday, November fifth. If the student section is one hundred percent filled with forty five hundred students, I will be at your wedding." Here is the best part. And we'll provide waterburger for everyone there. That's incredible. So, Riley Albrocht, I expect a an
1: invitation to your wedding. Well, and that's that's one of those things where you, you say, what does a guy do that makes $4 million a year in Lubbock, Texas? They do that. They provide waterburger to, I don't know, 200 people, however many are going to be coming to that wedding. Yeah, I need 200 number ones, please. It, it probably calls it a... Oh, I'm, sure. I'm sure there's some sort of catering deal that he would work out. But that would be also kind of beer desk if he just pulled up in a in It's a, like a,
0: <laughs> a like an escalator or something. Like no. <laughs> it, it's SUV or truck. It's like uh I need a hundred number ones.
1: He's got like a ninety seven F two fifty and he just pulls up. Sir, and I the would back. need you to come around to the front. <laughs> so we're gonna need to run
0: that card. We're gonna need to run that card right now. I need you to come inside. <laughs> yeah, so he's Offering water It's I don't know It's a very crisp Beard thing to do It was really awesome I, The 5th of November too I just caught that Tuesday Yeah Tuesday um, Matt Mooney Or as you put it In the notes document Matt Money Oh did I really? Yeah He's Freudian he's, slip Sure He and Tariq Owens Hosted a basketball camp This past weekend
1: They did And uh, That's They Well just Not this past weekend It was today and yesterday Sorry yes so the 5th and 6th, August 5th and 6th at the Apex Event Center. There's a little bit of uh, footage coming out, just kind of, you know, the, nothing big is really hit. It's not like you would expect there to be some big mob of of TV cameras around, but uh, Eric Kelly, who does a good job uh, on the local on the local front, and I I've, apologies, Eric, if you happen to be miss, listening. Okay, he's with KMAC. I couldn't remember who he was with, but he's with KMAC here in town. And he posted some uh, some pretty cool videos of the camp this week. One of them was Mooney was playing a a young lad one on one and had successfully gotten to the basket, and then uh, Tariq Owens came out of nowhere and goaltended it <laughs> out of bounds. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, but it was it was just fun to see some some highlights, what footage they had of that, and uh, see these guys coming in. And M- Mooney's apparently going around. I think he's. I think he's got some camps set up in a couple other towns, and I know it's good for him. I'm sure it brings some money in for him, but it's it's also good. It's kind of a way of giving back mm-hmm. to to Lubbock, and um, I can't remember the name of the town he was at uh, where he played before. Here was it Sioux City?
0: It was in South Dakota somewhere. But I, I think, think he's got North Dakota. Got a, yeah,
1: I know I've got the the name of the town wrong. Um, I know the word Sioux is in it. <laughs> Sorry, this is great reporting. Yep. Uh, but they have. I know that he's got a camp there as well, so he's kind of making the rounds, and and it really is you're helping out some kids. And I remember going to basketball camps as a kid, and I never did a Little Merkle, Texas, and Merkle, Texas. I, I just thought I thought it was cool to see the high school varsity coach come out. I mean, I don't know what I would have done if a, a D one athlete who'd been to the championship game, the national title, a couple game. of them, yeah, came out and uh, were showing me how to how to do a bounce pass so matt uh...
0: okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks just order your at-home impression kit today
1: for only 14.95 at bite.com bite clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer
0: financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat
0: is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any
1: better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
0: There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer.
1: Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
0: Uh, finished up the is playing in the summer
1: league with the Atlanta Hawks. Um... He, uh, he signed he signed a jersey for that kid that he played one-on-one. Nice. And uh, as far as Eric Kelly reported on Twitter, it's the only Matt Mooney-signed Hawks jersey in existence right now. <laughs> that may change <laughs> at some point, something. but right now that's the only one. Um,
0: but Matt Mooney, on, on his what's next for him, he says, I have some options that I'm talking to my agent about and trying to figure out my next step. I have a couple of teams that have invited me into NBA training camp if I decide not to do that, I'll go overseas and I have some offers in Germany and Spain. It looks like leaning towards NBA, NBA route, going to camp and make an NBA roster. So it's awesome for him that he's got some some options. He's not, you know, kind of relegated to one, one team, one league. He's like, well, if if the offer doesn't come from an NBA team that I like or that I want to do, he can go overseas and play for Germany or Spain, try again. So I mean, Justin Gray is still playing
1: overseas, I mean, there's... So is Jay Crockett? Yeah. Uh, who was in town this past weekend as well. Is Goacher still playing too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I so. you can make a career out of it for sure. Uh, obviously, the the money's gonna be much higher if you land an NBA gig, uh, for the most part. But it's still great that if this is what you wanna do, you wanna make a living playing basketball, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be quite as glamorous, but for guys that... They don't care about that so much. And I could see Mooney being a guy like that that just wants to play. And if he gets to play and just focus on that and get to pay rent, then I think that would make everything worthwhile. Yeah. So, How about talking basketball in August? This is This is Lubbock, Texas now. This is Texas Tech. We get to talk basketball in August. This is new to me. Yep, me too. I'm all for it, though. All right. Are we ready for some football? Yeah, I'm ready for some football.
0: Maybe. Maybe we're ready for some football.
1: Maybe. Waiting. There it
0: is. They go four up top. They throw the fade to Fasher. Caught. Touchdown. With time. Delivery.
1: Hand to Marcus Field. To throw Going deep down the sideline for Robert Johnson. And oh he, my. He's got it! Touchdown oh! Red Robert Johnson, touchdown Red Raider! Take a shot
0: to the end zone. Yeah, it's a touchdown to Reginald Davis! All day to throw. Over the top, Jakeem Graham!
1: Touchdown, Texas Tech! Second down now. Deep strike, got the big man, Counter, holds free, and touchdown, Run-Riders with a second to go. Let the scoring begin. All right, we
0: had to get some official intro music.
1: We're officially going to talk about football now. We case, are. In case y'all didn't know.
0: That's what, we're, that's what we're here for, man. We, I'm, I'm we've pumped. We've shifted over. Pumped. All right, fall camp started this past weekend, mm-hmm. ramping up. I think there've been four days of practice so far in four days. So sorry, four practices in four days. Um Seth has taken the planes, knocking it out of the park with the preseason fall camp coverage. Definitely need to be checking all that out. Um
1: Yes, he does a he does a scratch pad scratch pad kind of update with a, a non transcript version of a lot of these uh, question and answer sessions, some press conference type stuff. Uh, the media availabilities. Yeah, and always has done a great job with it. And he said, <laughs> he's mentioned this before, but uh, I just like that he points it out every now and then that, you know, as an aside, Wells talks much slower than Cliff Kingsbury, so this is easier to do.
0: <laughs> but I think he had some issues today with Kerry Cooks, right? He's,
1: <laughs> I would imagine. I, I listened to that one during lunch and he had a lot to say in, in a short amount of time. Unlike me, I, I can say very little in a long amount of time. So I think one of the things I
0: wanted to start with was the Texas tech media day that preceded reporting day. So this was last Thursday, I believe one of the quotes I think that stuck with both of us. Uh, well, there were two things. One, uh, you've got the notes, notes document here is how we do. Anything is how we do everything. And the other piece I think um, that ties in with that. Wells was talking about being mentally prepared for games, for situations, and he touched on being the master of things that take no talent.
1: Yes. I don't know if he mentioned it in that. I know he mentioned it in- It's been recent. Yes. It was the, I think after day one practice. Yeah.
0: So that that, that mastering things that take no talent, like showing up to meetings, lining up in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. those kind of things, when, you, when talent is not a part of the equation, you need to be absolutely 100% master of whatever that is.
1: Well, that's what he said. The, these guys are talented. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. So you've got to work on the other things. And I think it was, the question was in reference. It was something about uh um, freshman. Mm. It said, yes. uh, you know, and this is Seth's non-transcript saying that you know you need to pay attention to meetings, where to line up. Where they are on special teams, that has nothing to do with talent. You have to be able to master the things that take no talent. So he was specifically addressing freshmen, but that can apply to anyone.
0: Yeah, he also he also talked about um, how many freshmen he's anticipating playing. I think I'm I'm not air quoting. I am um, paraphrasing here. I think he said he's played four, five, six freshmen basically every year. Uh, you just have to find the right ones that are ready to go. That have put in the the work in the the off season, um, so you're not. It, he doesn't shy away from playing the freshman, um, and it may be something where some of these guys are called on because of it's a shift in, in philosophy that they they didn't have enough guys in one position. Are they they need more more bodies, and so they have to play freshmen, or mm-hmm. it just could be that the the new schemes, whatever, require. Um, I guess it's the same thing. Just require bodies that haven't previously been here. So there will be probably freshmen playing. Um, I can't remember if he mentioned any specifics yet. Um, But so far in fall camp, I know it's been four days. uh, One guy that's that's received just an unbelievable amount of attention so far has been McLean Mannix. He's one, he's an inside receiver. He's a transfer from Nevada uh, coming back. Some good
1: highlight videos of him floating around mm -hmm. already.
0: His, again, this is me drinking the Kool-Aid four days into fall camp. (laughs) Um, What I've seen excites me that you've got an inside possession receiver that reminds me of like an Eric Morris or Danny Amendola that just catches everything. And then, yeah, he's not going to like burn anybody with his speed, he's not a Cam Batson or Jaqueem Grant, but just one of those options over the middle that can snag balls and convert first downs and
1: stuff like that. Yeah, and and it's a common theme with I, I mean, we've talked about it before with the the training regimen and how much weight they've put on and all this kind of stuff. It's mentioned a lot throughout this. All these media availabilities. He he mentions this, and even with Mannix, he he mentioned that he's trimmed his body down. He's a little bit more lean, uh, and a lot of these guys are. You know, some of them have put on twenty pounds. Some have done. I mean, they mentioned this. But every mm-hmm. coach somehow mentions it somewhere. So that's kind of encouraging to see. I don't remember that being a thing. That was whether it happened as much or not. It was. It didn't seem to be publicized as much. And another thing I noticed. With, with Wells, I feel like – I don't think Kingsbury did this, but correct me if I'm wrong. Wells came out on media day, and he had like a two-and-a-half, three-minute prepared kind of – I mean, obviously he wasn't reading from notes or anything, but he just had some stuff he wanted to get out there, some injuries, uh, some uh, – you know, talk he about – a the, lot of updates. Yeah, talk about grad transfers, talk about – I mean, he just about three minutes of just him going through – kind of this checklist that he wanted to address before questions even started. And I don't remember Kingsbury doing that. I feel like every, every mm-hmm. time he did anything, he just got out there and said, all right, Don or whoever, you know, <laughs> just look to whoever had the first question and just started answering him. I don't think he really gave up much unless someone asked him something. And then even then it was always kind of a kind of tough to get anything out. Yeah, we'll see. So let's talk about some of those notes from
0: reporting day, from the media day. Yeah. Uh, Wells touched on the four grad transfers. Zach McPherson, the cornerback from Penn State. Evan Rambo, the linebacker slash safety from California. Armand Shine, the running back from Utah. And R.J. Turner, the wide receiver from Louisiana Lafayette or Monroe. One of those. I'll check it. Um, He said all four of those are going to be in contention competition for starting time. Um, in their positions, um, which is big, big things to hear because you knew you know you need some depth um, in the secondary, the defensive secondary. So with the, with Zach McPherson helping out there, Evan Rambo also talked about um, being that that hybrid safety linebacker player. Armand Shine uh, comes in probably one of your your thinnest position groups at, at running back because right now you've got really one contributor that's returning. It's Tejon Henry. And then you've got Sir Roderick Thompson, who redshirted last year after playing in four games. And then you have Shine, basically. You've yeah. got those three guys. R.J. Turner, obviously, coming in. who'd be on the outside receiver. I think he'll be on the left side, if I remember correctly. Um, Wells also talked about Kosey Eldridge, Juco linebacker. Um, he said he can play inside and outside. Has also gained weight over the summer. Mentioned Jackson Tyner, the Rice walk-on. Quarterback transfer.
1: That's right. And he has actually played uh, quite a bit. In some, well, maybe not quite a bit, but he's definitely played in some games at Rice.
0: Yeah. And then, and then this is when he got to the injury updates. He said Terrence Steele and Lonzel Gilmore are going to be limited, um, especially a lot more in the beginning of the camp. We'll have updates for the media he was talking to specifically at, towards the end of the month. And he said Lonzel was injured at the end of the spring. Seth Collins will be out an extended amount of time and has been very dedicated, but his collarbone injury has taken quite a time to heal. John Scott obviously has been out since the yeah. shooting this past spring. Right. And Christian Taylor, uh, he went ahead and mentioned that both those guys are going to be out for the rest of the year. Sterling Galbin, which is that inside receiver, uh, freshman, I believe, and Tyler Carr, the transitioning fullback into tight end. <laughs> Have injuries being managed and should be full go relatively quickly. Alante Brown from the signing class, the four-star guy to Chicago, not on campus yet, dealing with eligibility issues. He's expecting an update here in the next couple of days.
1: Yeah, um, so he got he got all that out of the way before anyone even asked him a question.
0: Yeah, like he he just offered that up. Yeah. Um. There's a whole bunch of other notes just from this media availability. On um, Staking the Plains, it is the Texas Tech Football Scratch Pad Report Day. Um, and then Seth has had a day one practice and day two, let's see, there have been even like a couple today. There was one about the defensive secondary. Yeah. So there was the reporting day, first practice, and now today was the secondary shaping up.
1: One thing I wanted to throw in, I know we don't we don't have time and we don't need to go through all of this, but...
0: Because we got to talk about some football games. We do.
1: But uh, did you see what he talked to, what he mentioned when uh, he brought up Jack Anderson?
0: I remember I was watching. Um, it was actually Rob Bro, Carson Robinson. They had um, Media Day interviews going on. Oh, with yeah. The poor, they with, were there. just doing athletes. That's right. Um, they mentioned to Jack Anderson that, hey, Wells said that you're going to be cross training and, and, and possibly getting some time at center. Anderson had not heard this yet. <laughs> he was surprised. Didn't know that. He was like, well, if, if, I mean, if that's where Wells wants to try me out, let, let's do it. I'll do whatever it takes. But I just thought it was really interesting that Wells had offered that up to the media. Um, and that the news hadn't quite trickled down to, to Jack Anderson. No, I don't know how much time he'll be playing at center because there's, he's, he's a guard. Yeah. Um, but Wells also said, you need several guys that can snap the ball.
1: Yeah, they, he said Dawson Deaton was going to start there on day one of practice. Um, Will Farrar, mm-hmm. uh, of course, and Anderson. But the I think one of the most interesting aspects was that uh, Anderson could play all three spots, and he could play tight end and short yardage goal line.
0: Yeah, and and I believe like also on on Rob Rose, um,
1: <laughs> that wasn't a very quiet <laughs> do, whisper. Do you thing. think? Do you think? Do you think he's got a twenty three personnel?
0: Oh, I no, no doubt
1: goal line package where Jack Anderson is one of the three tight ends. So in in
0: Bros and Robinson's interview uh, with Anderson, he they talked about him being in a goal line situation. He's like, I they need to have a play drawn up for me to, to catch a touchdown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just matter of factly,
0: and and I don't he didn't reference Travis Bruffy who caught that touchdown pass at Oklahoma State a couple of years ago. But, like, he had to have been thinking about that. Like, another offensive lineman that had a play called form. Oh, got to. So, I I would love to see Jack Anderson catch a touchdown or score a touchdown out of the 23 personnel formation.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, check it out on uh, Talk 1340. That's friend of the show, Rob Bro. That's where he... That's where he resides. Check out KKAM.com. You can see some of their interviews that they had with these guys on media day. So they had a bunch. Yeah, they had several. Uh, we've got uh, Dante Thompson, Travis Coons, Jack Anderson, Xavier Benson. Yeah, McLean Mannix, Eli Howard. I mean, Nick McCann, a bunch of guys. Uh, they, they were able to talk to a bunch of these guys. So check them out. RJ Turner. Mm-hmm. See what they had to say.
0: Okay, so preseason, NFL preseason.
1: Okay, let's we've, let's t- we've got let's that touch on this notes. really
0: quickly before we move on to honorable mention best wins of the decade. Um, the NFL preseason in earnest gets underway this week, the eighth Thursday, with really a, just a full slate of games. It looks like everybody's playing Thursday night. Um, Jets, Giants, Colts, Bills, Falcons, Dolphins. Patriots, Lions, Jaguars, Ravens, Redskins, Browns, Titans, Eagles, Texans, Packers, Panthers, Bears, Chargers, Cardinals. Yes, <laughs> I was about to say that. That so far has been the first one that's interesting because, obviously, yeah. Broncos, Seahawks is also interesting to me. Uh, Buccaneers, Steelers, Vikings, Saints. Um, sorry, Buccaneers, Steelers, Vikings, Saints. Those are Friday night, the ninth. And Saturday Rams Raiders Bengals Chiefs Cowboys 49ers.
1: Yes. Saturday. Saturday. Saturday's where the it's 10th. at. Got the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Rams and the Raiders, Rams. Chiefs, Bengals, Cowboys, 49ers. That, so, so I think the Cardinals game, if I remember right, I think that's on NFL Network, which is unfortunate cuz I don't I do not get that, but I was I'm I'm, I'm totally yes. planning on tuning in cuz I want to watch at least a few series of Kyler Murray, if indeed he plays, because I think Kingsbury's already back to his old. Nah, we'll see who trots out there. I'm yeah, pretty sure was, he answered was, a question to that. <laughs> that was <laughs> to that effect this week.
0: Yeah. So the Cardinals Chargers game is on
1: NFL Network. Um, Maybe it'll be streaming on Twitter or something crazy or whatever they. do It's preseason. Why, why yeah, not? Who knows?
0: Um, Friday night, n- nothing really there. Viking Saints.
1: Yeah, that could be pretty good.
0: Could be good and then Saturday. I'm, I I would watch all three of those games. But two of them are at 7, one's at 8. So, oh, be a lot of flipping back and forth. Yeah. Um I'll be in Dallas this weekend. My brother uh is having a baby shower. So we're going to go out there for that. Take care of that. And then um one last trip before school starts cuz the little one starts kindergarten next week. Oh my gosh. I know i a little scared. A little I keep nervous. forgetting
1: he's kindergarten age. Yep. That's nuts. All right.
0: Honorable mention, best wins, past
1: decade. Yep. We thought we'd go chronologically just to kind it of... make makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we'd start from... And, and you know, if like we've said before, if there's one missing, there's a very good chance it's probably going to be discussed at length next week when we narrow it down to our top three. Top three wins each. Each. So, there'll so be we'll have s- six. There'll be six There'll be six left off this list, probably, that someone's going to go, well, why didn't you talk about that one? Well, because it deserves a little bit more respect. And also, we did go through the worst losses the last couple of episodes. and We caught some flack for it, too. Just a little. Just a little. And I expected it. I think we both did. Just, But the disclaimer always was just, hey, you know, the... The what is it? What's that? The the day's darkest before the dawn. There you go. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So our our thought was always well, we we would end our summer coverage with highlights, good vibes, good positive things headed mm-hmm. out that way. So, so this is what we're doing. I have a brief confession.
0: Oh boy. Going through the unroll and best wins. Sadly, there were fewer games on this list than there were in the worst losses. Um,
1: This is a fact. (laughs) (laughs) Almost mathematically. (laughs) True.
0: I also had a hard time not finding a bunch of negatives attached to these honorable mention and best wins. Like, there's a game, and then like a really good game, and then we go on a bad losing streak, or like a really fun, exciting win in the middle of like a 5-7 and season. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, just... Keep that in mind. What we're going for is um, at the time of the game. um, Probably a lot less has to do with the impact on the season. But we're going to start in 2009. Uh, We're going to start with game number 13. Bowl game. Alabama Bowl versus Michigan State. Bowl games. You remember when we went to those quite a bit? I remember when when we went to good bowl games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So Texas Tech wins this game, obviously, 41-31. This was the Taylor Potts versus Kirk Cousins game. Yep. Cousins is still putting around in the league somehow. Sheffield came in for a little bit. He did. He he got that uh, that spark there in the fourth quarter. Uh, had that Lyle-Leon catch where he jumped up and his hips were above the dude's head. Gosh. Because he was like a spider.
1: That was our touchdown play for however however many years lyle Leong started. Just throw it to Leong. That was it. That was the touchdown play. And it worked a lot. Kid, kid could jump. It was incredible. So, and this really not really
0: a surprise, but going back and like watching highlights of some of these games, Coach, my Mike Leach.
1: Well, this one wasn't.
0: Well, technically, you, you get the Mike Leach offense. Yeah, um, of course, yeah. It just it just blows my mind that like literally there were like three or four offensive plays, because everything you saw was it was a, a run. Or there was a halfback screen. There was a wide receiver screen thrown out to the outside receiver who would then run behind either linemen or r- receivers out there. Mm-hmm. There was a swing pass, so like an inside receiver, or a running back would run out to the sidelines and throw, so like another screen. There were slants, and there was uh, the verticals. There wasn't much else.
1: No, the formations were all pretty... It was like, yeah, they would
0: run the same routes out of different formations, but it was like four verts was in like... Every other play, it felt like. If you were paying attention, like, because you realize that the the receivers have like three options on the play. Like, they can break the route in, they can break the route out, or they can just go up the field. Mm-hmm. Um, those back shoulder fades or back shoulder throws, those are on vertical routes that the receiver and quarterback know. On a read, it's going. You know, it's not going to go deep down It's going to go to the sideline. Anyways, really, really fun game to be at. My, my brother and I were there. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Made the trip down to San Antonio for this bowl game. It was a blast. Got to see um, interim head coach Ruffin McNeil, interim offensive coordinator Lincoln Riley. Who? Who's just just some kid? These just two, some grad assistant kid. These two guys that had they been retained, uh, I, I think the trajectory of the next decade would have been quite a bit different.
1: Yeah, I think um, so too. It, it would have for sure been more consistent. I I don't know, don't want to dwell on that too much. But I, that's why this is such a big win too, is because of what the team faced. I mean, sure, Michigan State was six and six. Tech came in and they eight had and a, four.
0: Michigan State had like a lot of players um, suspended like the week before because of some fight or something in the dorms. I remember them losing some guys. Um, but so 2009 was also the year that Texas Tech had a pass rush. And Brandon Sharp was just like, he was sick. I think he had like 12 or 13 sacks on the year. And then on the other side, the other defensive end, Daniel Sharp, sorry, Daniel Howard yeah, um, was also really good. He had a, a fumble recovery for a touchdown in, in a different game. Um, your secondary, secondary was pretty good. Your linebackers, I think you still had Brian Duncan. Or maybe that was 2008 was his last year, but you also had – um. Marlon Williams, um, it was just like an all-around fun team to watch. Your your receivers were led by, in this game, Detron Lewis had 10 catches for 114 yards. Batch had 85 receiving yards. Austin Zuzalik, Lyle Leong, Tremaine Swindle, Eric Stevens, Jacoby Franks, Alex Torres was starting to come up, and Harrison Jeffers. Oh, yeah. I remember Jeffers, the running back, that never really caught on, even though he was one of your highest rated running back recruits. Um, So he was up there with like that Oregon running back that just destroyed everything that same year. And I'm going to have to look this up. But that 2009 Alamo bowl was just a lot of fun. Um, One to be at, um, but two to kind of like just wrap up that, that season. And with the way that the game went, you're like, "Whoa, wow, that, that, you felt pretty good about the the performance that Ruffin and McNeil and Lincoln Riley had put together. Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: so that was two thousand nine. Yeah, it was a one point game heading into the fourth quarter, and Tech scored two touchdowns in the fourth to put it away. It was it was close all game. It was I mean to only win by two scores. Sure, you won by ten. It makes it sound like you really. I mean, not dominated, but you kind of had it in hand, but you didn't really. And, um, there was just so much other off the field issues going on. I remember watching the TV coverage. We were here at the, I had some friends in town and we went to the Lone Star Oyster Bar. (laughs) Nice. Not the, not the one on the one on South slide, not the one on slide by the mall. So we were there and i think they had they were interviewing craig james and stuff before the game and all that and it was just there was just a lot of stuff going on uh outside of the game of football that was really hard to deal with and just wrestle with and you had so many people who were extremely angry with the the powers that be at the school and you know, rightfully so. In a lot of cases, and it really just kind of divided the fan base for a long time. And there's still a lot of there's there's some folks out there that are still on that pirate ship that are never gonna never gonna walk that plank off. But uh, that that was one of the things that resonated with me was like you said, it was one of our last good bowls. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a nine win season. We haven't haven't had one of those since. haven't had one of those since. Um, and it's. It was the end of an era, and just kind of a, kind of a, a fun game just in general. Just a, just a fun game to watch.
0: So, really quickly to, to wrap up that one and talk about Harrison Jeffers in the running back class that year. That was the same year that Mark Ingram came out of high school for Alabama, and then the Oregon running back I was talking about was Lamichael James, who had uh, just ridiculous stats at Oregon when he was there. Um give me two seconds to pull that up and I can tell you what he did
1: LaMichael James that was when Oregon was really in their yeah their heyday 9,
0: 10, 11 he finished his career in three years with 5,082 rushing yards at 6.6 yards per carry 53 touchdowns I'd be interested 53 rushing touchdowns he had four more receiving touchdowns
1: I'd be interested to see what Texas Tech's rushing yardage and touchdowns were during that same era. But I, we can't I, do that right now. I don't think it touches 5,000 yards. No, right. I don't think so either.
0: 2010. Um, Michael, I'm going to let you take this one because this, this wouldn't have been on my list. This one was... Uh, but maybe it, it should have been but it wasn't. I was at this game. I was too. Uh, this was. I, I think it was your first Wounded Warrior game. I
1: believe so too. Uh, it, this was in 2010 when the Missouri Tigers came to town. And this was the last time to play them, and and they came to town ranked. They did. They came. They were nearly top ten. Yeah, I I, I tend to remember that they were number ten on some poll because I, I've thought they they were number ten while we were there because I remember sometimes people talked about well, Tex never beat a top ten team, and I think this game was kind of an asterisk because depending on wh- where you looked, they might have been number ten that week. Regardless, uh, they came in at seven and two, and. You know, Tech ended up winning that one. Taylor Potts,
0: and they were four and four. Oh, they were four and four. Sorry, Texas Tech was four and four when they hosted. Yeah. the six, the seven and one. They were seven titers.
1: and one. Sorry, I had that. I had I hadn't added that L yet, or I did add the L. I Added it too fast. Great. Now my now my cocky accent sounds really stupid. Yeah, here we go. So they came in seven one, number twelve in the country, and. Tech really played well at home, and this was, of course, one of the big, uh, the big first win of Tuberville's mm-hmm. era. And you were kind of thinking, okay, well, maybe this is some stuff we can expect. Uh, Blaine Gabbert was on the other side. Okay, so because you brought him up, well,
0: let's talk about Gabbert's stats for a second. Okay, he completed twelve passes on thirty attempts. It's not good for ninety-five yards, zero touchdowns zero interceptions,
1: his QBR for the game in the single digits, (laughs) 7.8. Yeah. Well, and this was a game I can't remember. I think Potts just – Potts was really not playing well. And then they – so they trotted Sheffield out there, and everyone was kind of – and then Sheffield didn't play well either. But I think Potts came back in. His QBR was (laughs)
0: 15.8. Yeah.
1: Potts came back in and actually played – finished the game very well. Uh, if I remember correctly, because mm-hmm. Tech went into halftime, they were down twenty to ten, which is not crazy. Um, came out and scored two touchdowns in the third, and that put it away for good. Because then no one scored in the fourth. Uh, it was a it was a really it was a full stadium. It was a night game. It um, it just had that atmosphere that you kind of you thought, man, I don't know with Leach gone if we'll ever get there again. And it it sure felt it felt really good. And I got to be there. My one of my friends' families they buy tickets. Oh, it's on the the north twenty-five yard line or so, about eight rows up. And so there's four tickets there, and he'll vie for them every now and then. And I got to sit in those coveted seats in that game. So that was that was a ton of fun to be down there that close, and and really get to experience it. But
0: just really interesting stats game. Like like if you look yeah. at the box score, so. Missouri rushed for 260 yards, which is not, not really all that unusual for Texas Tech teams in this era. Only only three for 104. So they finished the day with 364 total yards um, and 17 points. It's like, Texas Tech had a, kind of a defense that night. Yeah. The offense, they had 307 passing yards, 198 rushing yards. You almost had 200 yards on the ground that night. So you finished the day with 505 total yards.
1: You had four guys throw a pass.
0: Yeah, Taylor Potts, Steven Sheffield, <laughs> Cornelius Douglas threw a pass, Austin Zuzalak threw a pass. Both Cornelius Douglas and Austin Zuzalak finished 0-1 on the day.
1: And you dominated the time of possession. Which you, is you doubled them up. A strange thing
0: for a Texas Tech team. but This was year one under Tommy Tuberville and
1: Neil Brown. Um, so you're kind of thinking, you know, it was one of those things where you're just, hey. This is, well, hold on. This doesn't add up.
0: Sorry, the time of possession shows 24 minutes for Texas Tech and 12 minutes for Missouri.
1: Yeah, you're right. We're missing something. 12 minutes,
0: 14 minutes, 24 minutes. You're missing 24 (laughs) minutes in the game. What is going on with this time of
1: possession? Yeah, that's a weird weird time of possession.
0: Okay. Let's let's throw out the time of possession. (laughs) Point because <laughs> maybe we can't
1: a, hang our hat on that after all. Maybe they just didn't play the fourth quarter. Maybe that's why they didn't score an easy Yeah, they they just called the game. They just called hours. it. They decided that was enough.
0: No, because I, I I remember like the fans rushing the field
1: for this game. Oh yeah, and I remember kind of you're like really guys? no, that's not. Eh. <laughs> hey, <laughs> let's let's not do that right now. All right, sorry. But so I yeah. think everyone it was just kind of a big release. That that's why it felt so good was after all the. The leech stuff and, you know, people still were, they weren't on the Tuberville train and, of course, I don't know if anybody ever really got on. I tried. I tried at first because he sounded, I, I was. Did you buy into the championships? Oh, no, I didn't, I don't think he. <laughs> I remember him saying that. I remember watching that press conference. I streamed it or whatever you did back in 2009 or two two 2010. And I, I remember watching it and thinking the thing I liked the most about him was that he was just kind of seemed professional. <laughs> it was it was just a different, just a different, uh, you know, like oh, a refreshing okay. change. Yeah.
0: from Mike Leach and his just random off the cuff.
1: Yeah, and and not to say that because I felt the same way when Kingsbury came in. Oh man, Kingsbury's ah, Kingsbury's more laid back. He seems more more genuine. He's he's really you know he's really keeps things close to the vest. And and then Wells came in and you're like. Well, he's really professional, but he tells he he also tells like. it like it is, yeah. and he also uh, has a lot of um, he he doesn't keep things quite as secret, and so so you can kind of talk yourself into anybody the next time, and you, if you Which compare him, yeah, and you have yeah. to. But that was that was one of those games that was a lot of fun to to experience. So
0: we've done a Mike Leach era game, although Mike Leach wasn't coaching this game. We've done. A single Tommy Tuberville game; the rest, in fact, are Cliff Kingsbury games. Yes, they are. We're skipping ahead three years, going from 2010 Missouri to 2013. So, first up is Kingsbury's first um, conference game, hosted TCU early, early in the season. Uh, it was game three. Yep, TCU had come into this into this game one and one. Texas Tech was two and zero. Oh. I remember it was like a six o'clock kick. Samantha had to work until five. So we, we were rushing. This is the year we had just gotten season tickets.
1: It was our first Thursday night game too. Mm-hmm. It was
0: a weeknight game, which is why it mattered that it was right at six and not like, yeah, like, okay, well six o'clock on Saturday. Not a big deal. Um, we actually had our own season tickets. The only season we've done this was this year, 2013. We walked into the stadium, like into the section as Kenny Williams had just scored that first touchdown. So we missed that The rest of the game Intense back and forth Uh, This was also the year You went back and forth Between Baker Mayfield And Davis Webb Starting quarterback Mm -hmm. Mayfield started this game Webb finished it Um, Mayfield went 21 of 40 on the night 216 yards One touchdown Three interceptions Webb came in Late Like mid fourth quarter He went three for four For 77 yards One touchdown No interceptions He threw that last touchdown to Bradley Marquez, which puts you up by the 10 points. No, sorry, you went by seven.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you hit a uh, field goal with about three minutes left. Yeah,
0: put you up by 10. Um, DeAndre Washington, I believe this is the game he dropped the ball at the goal line. I don't know. I I can't
1: remember that for sure. And then like I don't rolled, remember the bad stuff about this game it, it very rolled well. In,
0: rolled into the end zone, nobody recovered it, so they gave the ball back to Texas Tech at the point where he dropped it. But I think the biggest thing was, if I'm, if this is the same game, was that Kingsbury stopped Washington on the sideline and says, "Okay, you're just going to go score again." And we're like, "Oh, dude, that's, that's like, like, if you're going to talk to a running back that celebrated too early and dropped the ball before crossing the goal line." You kind of like that approach, like no, it's fine. Well, let's just let's go score again. Um, Washington does not have any rushing touchdowns in the game, so I don't think he did score that touchdown. There was two receiving touchdowns. One was that Kenny yeah. Williams pass I told you about early on in the first quarter, and then Bradley Marquez in the fourth, which was just a. It was a perfect pass. It was. He dropped it in over the, the corner.
1: I remember Raider Nation during that pass was like, well, we did, you know, Webb's obviously obviously yeah. the better
0: <laughs> the better quarterback. That was an interesting year going back and forth. Man, it was. to compare those two. Because Mayfield
1: had just come off of, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. He had come off of really great showing. I think so in he game was, one against SMU. Yeah,
0: and they were talking about in that game, he was the first walk-on quarterback to start a season for division one power five school ever, ever. And then he just lit up SMU.
1: Yeah. It it was, and, and you keep telling and yourself, he, he'd well, been it's on just campus SMU, like, but he was, he was fantastic that night.
0: Yeah. So he, he came to campus like in July, like in the middle of summer. Yeah. Just kind of showed up. Um, this is the year that Michael Brewer got injured, uh, over the summer, Davis Webb got sick and lost a bunch of weight. So it was really just down to like your walk on quarterback to start the season. You're like, this is not an ideal way to start. Right. Um, Mayfield did well. Your defense held Trevon Boykin to just 194 passing yards, 207 total rushing yards from from the Frogs. I think the biggest thing is you, you forced two interceptions from Boykin. One went to JJ Gaines. The other went to the the converted defensive end, defensive tackle Jackson Richards. Mm-hmm who intercepted Boykin on a screen pass, which was just fantastic. I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick. Um, but that interception, it was in the third quarter, I think. Um, and it really, it it stopped TCU from building any momentum because they were, um, they were driving, they were in Texas Tech territory and then Richards intercepts it and stops that drive. Um you just you kept you kept um, TCU from really just developing any kind of momentum that night
1: yeah, and, and of course that they kind of did the same thing for us. We, the tech really had trouble getting things going obviously when the scores 30 combined points total. there's not a lot of offense going on, but this is I wanted to read the the drive summary for TCU just real quickly. punt, 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 interception. Punt, punt, end of half, turnover on downs, field goal, punt, interception, field goal, missed, rushing TD. They didn't get a rushing touchdown until, was that four minutes left in the game? Mm -hmm. Or five minutes left, whatever it was. And uh, no, it was six minutes. And then their last two possessions were punt and then turnover on downs. So you know, tech was playing defense too. They had uh TC was driving on their last possession. There were 40 seconds left. And of course they're down by 10. So they, you know, they throw an incomplete pass on fourth and six. And this was at TTU's 28 yard line. So you could even argue that maybe, of course they had missed a field goal earlier. Maybe mm-hmm. Patterson should have kicked a field goal and then tried for the onside or or something like that, but he didn't. And he went for it on fourth and six, and Tech stopped him. And then that was the game. So that really just led you to think, wow, this Kingsbury guy. And th- then it was, you know. Because this was part of the 7-0 start. Right. And and TCU came in. Of course, they had only won one game and lost one. And, and I can't remember who they lost to. Uh, but they were ranked. They were ranked 24, just mm-hmm. barely. They were in there, but they were Still. a ranked opponent at home at night on our first Thursday night game. Uh, Kingsbury's first big game, the Fox game. Yeah, I was about to say, all that that this, was, this was a lot of firsts. This was
0: the first appearance of the Fox in the field. It was the first all gray uniform.
1: Yep. Oh yeah, that's right. The gray. I found the, the interception if you want to hear it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to cue it up. We're gonna
0: have a tight fourth quarter
1: here in line. Okay, so r- r- really quickly,
0: it's first and 15 from Texas Tech 27. Um, Jackson Richards is lined up as the nose tackle, like in the middle, but he like, he um oh, what do they call that when he like wraps around. Anyway. Swim move? No. No, no that's no, not a swim
1: move. We're like eh, eh. I know what you mean. Anyways.
0: Mexico. TCU trying to get even. Intercepted.
1: Picked off. Going the other way is Jackson Richards and offensive lineman makes a huge.
0: So, you're Reese Davis? Yeah. This is also the game where you got the where the gift where Kingsbury is spinning the ball on his
1: finger and licks his lip in the pregame. Oh yeah, because the Palmer. Yeah. He was behind. He's oh behind speaking Palmer. of Palmer. That's it's <laughs> a nice little name drop for later. But uh Hey no don't give it to Jesse much away. Palmer. I couldn't think of his first name to save my life. All right. Yeah, there were a lot of gifts that year. I think that was also when he came off the bus. I think he licked his lips off the bus. And then he, he just was twirling the football behind Palmer. I think yeah. that was all the okay. same day. <laughs> Everybody was on full Kingsbury watch. Yep. All
0: right. One more game in 2013, Arizona State in the Holiday Bowl. This is following your 0-5 finish to that season. You go 7-0 and, and then lose that 38-30 game to, in Norman that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then you, you finish the season uh, in the Holiday Bowl against a top – a fairly highly ranked um, Six, Arizona State, sixteen, uh, according 14, to Wiki, fourteen according to, to to ESPN. Oh yeah, yeah. They were ten and three coming into this game. You're like, I don't feel good about this. You jumped all over them
1: from the jump. How how are they ten and oh? Because they, they played in, they the, played the, Pac-12 in the championship, championship game. And that lost. makes sense. Um, I couldn't think of the math there. You
0: scored 13 in the first quarter, 14 in the second, 10 in the third. So you scored all 37 of your points, whereas Arizona State, 6, 7, 7, and 3.
1: Yeah, I say that the the Alamo Bowl was the last... I mean, I guess the Alamo Bowl's maybe a little bit bigger bowl now than Holiday, but I don't know. Holiday may have been the, the last really good bowl we were in, and that was... That was enough fuel and enough Kool Aid to get you thinking and excited for the next eight months. It, it really Which did. led into a four and eight season. That was the <laughs> most uh, positive I have ever been going into a a, a, a football season.
0: It, it, it's so strange, like the effect this game had on everybody's outlook. Because, like, you, like I said, we had just finished that zero and five stretch. Yeah, like you felt pretty crappy about that. You blow out, not blow out. You beat Arizona State by two touchdowns. In a big bowl game, and you just felt pretty good. Like Davis Webb just looked untouchable. He was so good that night. Yeah, you're like, okay, here's our quarterback for the future. He ended up doing pretty well the next few years, but you know, he he went 403 yards, four
1: touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he averaged 9.8 yards per attempt <laughs> per attempt. <laughs> and We're, so he he just really played lights out. We had a lot of grads play well. uh, you know Washington didn't run the ball as as well as we would have probably liked and i think they tried to run it a little bit more you had in 20 the start. Had
0: rushing no sorry that's receiving you had 34 carries in this yeah. game
1: but this is i mean this was a big amaro game you had you know eight receptions for 112 yards from Jay amaro and jakeem grant of course six for 89 he had two tds marquez had a td uh Rodney Hall had a TD. Everybody <laughs> <Pulling> was back <laughs> Everybody was getting a TD. So it was it was one of those games I I don't know if I'd ever been so positive like I was saying for an offseason cuz then you're talking yourself into because of the scheduling. Oh, well, we've got Texas at home and we've got OU at home in in 2014. I mean, man, this if we carry this over and, you know, uh, Amaro I think was coming back one more year and and, of course, Grant's coming back. And all these guys are like, oh, man, this is mm-hmm. looking good. Webb's looking good. Um, we had a we had quite had a good run <laughs> in 2014. So but that was even, a great feeling win, though. It was.
0: We're not going to talk about any of 2014. You had four wins. Two of those were against Central Arkansas and UTEP. Yikes. I think there was a Kansas win in there. And then one more conference win. Um. Yeah. So... 2015, this is, you, you made the return trip to Arkansas. Uh, 2014 is when they came and ran all over you. That was one of our honorable mention worst losses. <clears throat> Returned the favor the following season, 2015. Patrick Mahomes, Devin Lauderdale, Jakeem Grant, Reggie Davis, DeAndre Washington. There's your skill players all, all over the field just had their way. This is also the game where Cliff Kingsbury got a little salty in the post game and said that Brett Bielema just got his ass kicked.
1: Yes. Um In in reference to and that was fun. So
0: he Brett Bielema had come had come down to the Texas High School Football Coaches Association, like summer conference, whatever. And says, "If you don't play with a fullback, you'll get your ass kicked. If you don't run the ball so many times, you're gonna get your ass kicked."
1: Yeah. Pretty much like what we just kicked his ass. Yeah. So (laughs) they uh, and Kingsbury had that planned, obviously, because I think he was out in a different suit, complete with. If I remember right, there I may think, have been a flower. I think it was
0: the first time the flower made its appearance. I think there was a flower
1: suit. because he he seldom wore anything but a a black long-sleeve Under Armour Texas Tech shirt, mm-hmm. much much less on an, at an away game. But he was dressed to the nines after that one. That game meant a He's lot ready. to him. He's ready to go. And it felt good. It felt really good, especially after just seeing them demolish us at home and... I was so worried going into Fayetteville. I really thought Tech didn't have much of a chance, and I mean they completely proved me wrong in that game. Mm-hmm. This was
0: year two of Patrick Mahomes. Um, he only had four incompletions on the night. He went 26 of 30 for 243 yards, one touchdown. Two of his incompletions were interceptions. So only oh. two, two passes he threw hit, hit the ground all night.
1: So 28 out of 30 passes were caught. Basically, we could we could
0: word it that way. Jakeem Grant was perfect on the night, one for one for seventy-two yards and a touchdown. Hundred, a hundred QBR. Man, he had that really really um, interesting trick play that I I did a post game like X's and O's post on this where it was a, a quick no huddle run up to the line after the previous play where Devin Lauderdale actually lined up as the left tackle. Mm. Um, who was your receiver? and they moved the extra tackle over to the right side to give Grant some extra blocking on that side. So what happened is Grant went in motion. Um, Mahomes handed it off to him or threw it to him. I can't remember exactly. And then Grant looks up and hits Reggie Davis running on the sideline who was wide open because Arkansas bit so hard on it. Um, this is also when you get the the reaction shot of Cliff Kingsbury, like celebrating pointedly. Staring across the field, <laughs> like he's not sitting with any players. He's basically looking at Brett Belam and like, "See you suck." <laughs> um, this is a game that Patrick Mahomes really kind of emerged as a dude. Yeah, uh, he, he in 2014 he, he had started to come on, and, and like he had been starting. He was replacing Davis Webb there towards the end. Patrick Mahomes rushed for two touchdowns in the in the game, uh, ten ten carries for 58 yards. He had a a play where he threw a block in it. Uh, I remember which, that. Which got you all kind of, all kinds of pumped up. Yeah.
1: He had a 21 yard scamper. Scamper.
0: Uh, the same group of running backs that just ran rough shot over you the previous year, you held them, you held them <laughs> to 228 rushing yards. You rushed for 171 yourself. Uh, you rushed for 6.3 yards per carry. They rushed for 5.3. So you, you didn't really stop them on the ground, but you, you, you outpaced them in yeah. terms of average you scored more touchdowns on the ground than they, they did. Alex Collins, Raleigh Williams, Brandon Allen, um, those three guys just h ate you alive in twenty fourteen. Where they had you know, those two guys had two hundred yards each. Um this this redemption felt really good in twenty fifteen.
1: It felt great. There were there were on some on the road. Yeah. Some off field stuff fueled by Kingsbury and his quote unquote feud with uh with with Brett, with Bert. Bert. And it was <laughs> it was really sweet. This was a great win. And early in the season, uh and it was your big it was a uh, your your big non non con power five. And so it was nice to just get that out of the way and go up three and know heading into conference play.
0: Oh, it was a fantastic win that weekend.
1: Um so following that is when you hosted TCU
0: and lost 55-52 on that tipped pass in the end zone. So that was the very next week. Gosh, that hurt. I was there for that one. I was I was in Hobbs and Thawne, the ceiling fan, if Ooh. you remember. Um, and then I want to touch on, on a conference game later on in this season. Saturday, November 14th, you hosted Kansas State, and you whipped them pretty good, 59-44. Um, I hesitate to mention this, but I'm going to. Yeah. This 2015 win was your last home win versus a conference opponent, not named Kansas. So all of 2016, 17, 18, you've beaten nobody at home except for Kansas. No home conference game. Um, over the past decade, just to kind of rip like i said i, I still found plenty of negatives going through <laughs> these best wins um, you had seven ho- seven home conference wins, not versus Kansas in this decade so from t- two thousand nine two thousand nineteen i I don't know your your total home record versus big twelve. I know that seven of these wins were against conference opponents at home, not named Kansas. Um, Before this game, you didn't win any home conference games in 2014. Before this one in 2015, you had two, TCU and ISU, uh, Iowa State in 2013.
1: Right, which we just
0: discussed the TCU game. You had one in 2012 versus West Virginia, none in 2011, one in 2010 versus Missouri, and then two in 2009, Oklahoma and Kansas State. So, 59-44 home game you came out um you became bowl eligible you were you were five and five coming into this game kansas state was three and five um deandre washington had himself a day he rushed 27 times for 248 yards 9.2 yards per carry three touchdowns he had that long of 80 yards um where he like there was a there's a power play where the left tackle the raven clark air quotes he pulled he came from his left tackle spot and then went up the middle as like a lead blocker oh um and just trucked some dude (laughs) and then washington gets around a linebacker who dives at him basically just spins horizontal in midair because he dove for washington barely grabbed him and then because of the momentum kind of spun him around and then washington outran the rest of the defense for an 80 yard touchdown
1: Washington was incredible that year. Yeah,
0: he, he, he. This is the year he ran for like fifteen hundred yards before he went to the NFL. Um. You gave up only one hundred twenty three rushing yards to Kansas State, which is a win. Uh, one hundred twenty three yards to really anybody from Texas Tech is a win, but to Kansas State, who really like to lean on the rush, was pretty good. You controlled their their quarterback Joe Hubner. 19 of 41 for 289 yards, QBR 46. Patrick Mahomes went 33 of 42, 384 yards, three touchdowns. Washington rushed for three touchdowns. Mahomes ran for one. Stockton ran for one.
1: So you scored
0: eight touchdowns on Kansas State that day. It was a
1: lot of fun. Mahomes had four of them. Yes, he did. uh, Previously, I think Kingsbury was 0-2 against Kansas State. I think that was his first and only win, as it will turn out, <laughs> against against the Wildcats, Purple Kansas. Uh,
0: and then we have one more in 2015. We we're going to talk about at Texas.
1: Yeah, how about that? How how that Wait. one feel when it was? Are, are we are we still talking about that one? No, my bad. Oh man, spoiler. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I forgot to move this one around. Oh, okay. Dang it. Well, you may that that well, may be one of the ones we talk about next week, guys. Next time. Just in in case yeah, next time. In case y'all were uh were wondering. I need to
0: update the notes document before I start talking. Good job, Spencer. Um So no, we're not talking about another game in 2015.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pretend that didn't
0: happen. We're going to jump ahead to 2017.
1: Quite a because week. 2016 was uh, rough. Yeah, it was another. So we'll just we'll just pa- pass it. We'll just pass by it. it was it five and seven season? I we'll believe. A, we'll acknowledge its existence.
0: Yeah, we're gonna skip to 2017, and we're gonna talk about the win that extended Kingsbury's tenure as the Texas Tech football head coach. That's right. Last game of the regular season, you go down to Austin and you defeat them 27 to 23. This is that game where McLean Carter started. Yes. And then, um, there's that, the post game video that we see from Kingsbury in the locker room saying, uh, that he had a difficult conversation at the beginning of the week with Nick Shimanek, who had been the starting quarterback, um, but had decided to, to make a change. Shiminek supposedly told him, I'll do whatever's ready for the team, right for the team. Um, And then towards the end of the game, he came up to coach Kingsbury and said, you're running out of time. (laughs) And that's when Shimanek supposedly came into the game. McLean Carter was not having himself. Like he was struggling. And and Austin, this was a a game where he kept throwing against, or he kept throwing challenging Texas's best cornerback. I think it was Chris Boyd. And there were so many passes to the left. They were were like, oh, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. (laughs) It nearly picked off several times. He had two picks, but it but there could be lucky several more.
1: He's lucky that it wasn't, you know, at least four. At least, yeah. I think there were two that just somehow they didn't uh, Texas didn't come up with them. So McLean Carter, sixteen of thirty seven for two hundred thirty seven yards,
0: no touchdowns, two interceptions. Nick Shimnick comes in. Four for eight for 96 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Had almost a perfect QBR of 98.8, Shimanek did, to Carter's 14.2. <laughs> Geez, This is one of the first years you got to see Sam Ellinger for Texas. Um, little Jordan Humphrey also attempted a pass. Shane Bushell attempted two, and receiver John Burt attempted one. Um, you were able to hold Texas rushing to on, only 116 yards. Um, Defense
1: played really well this game.
0: You did not outrush them. You know you only had 62 yards. Um, quick math. You you did outgain them in total yards, but barely. It was really close. Um, Kiki Kuti had himself just an outstanding game. He went nine receptions for 168 yards. TJ Vasher five catches, one touchdown. This is when he got flagged for the horns down. Yep. That real quick flash of the horns down, and that little ref was just waiting for it. Um, and then nobody else had any more than two catches. Cameron Batson had one. Cantrell had two. Stockton had two. Wesley had one. Um, whereas Texas had, oh four eight twelve fourteen 12, 14 different guys receive a catch. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, they had it pretty spread out.
0: This is also sorry. This is also the game that Justice Parker intercepted the ball, um, and then returned it 55 yards to, to seal the win in Austin. This w- this would be your second win in Austin, uh, in back-to-back trips. Um, like I said, probably saved Kingsbury's job that year. Um, yeah, Kirby Hokut said basically the opposite that he wasn't going to base it off of one game, but had he lost this game and gone five and seven for a second year, you probably. Felt pretty confident he would not have returned. Wins this game, um, exciting Thanksgiving weekend game uh, down there in Austin. You had the punting duel between Michael Dixon. Oh and my gosh, Dominic Panazzolo.
1: I forgot about Dixon. I don't know how that
0: dude averaged nearly fifty-one yards a punt. He punted nine times and averaged fifty-one yards, as long as sixty-seven
1: yards. That's incredible. I love that we're talking about punting. Yeah. The dude was nuts. And really that was that was probably Penazzolo's best game or one of his best games. Uh, he really did a, a yeah. good job. I think he kind of elevated it knowing that he was going against the best. He also punted 9 times for
0: 400 yards so he had a 44-yard average and a long of 53. Um just because we're we're running late, running long here. We got one more honorable mention to bring up. Before we wrap this up for tonight. Um, and it was last year, yeah. It was a game that we watched over here at 23 Personnel North Headquarters. That's correct. We had quite the group here. Um, Keith Patrick, this is the first time I actually met Keith.
1: Um, it might have been the first time I met him too. Yep, I can't remember for sure. He brought over his wife and, and, and little girl. Um, and that, what did he
0: bring? He brought a dish. It oh, it was a good. tomato salad. Tomato salad, yeah. It was. It was not what I was
1: expecting. It was pretty good. We all had like different things. Is that those. right? Am I am I remembering that? No, no, it wasn't that. It was a fried okra salad. Fried okra salad from he got the fried okra from uh, Chicken Express. Chicken Express, but I think there were uh, sliced cherry tomatoes in it. I couldn't tell you my my daughter's middle name but I could tell you the the okra salad <laughs> was fantastic. That Keith brought <laughs> almost a year ago.
0: Yeah, uh, Labar was here, yep. Chad Hasty and his wife were here. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you, who else was here. we had queso, we had pulled pork, we had yeah. sausage, we had all sorts of good stuff.
0: That was also not that we did a, the post game instant reaction with like six people. Yeah, and three microphones. And three microphones a little intimidated with having like an actual radio host yes, be a part of it, but not like lead it. Right. I was like, don't judge me, Chad. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but no. So this is the game. You went up to Stillwater, beat them 41 to 17. Um, this was a game where just Alan Bowman just really showed out. Um, you just had fun start to finish. And it was once you had your 17 point second quarter, like you felt pretty much in control like all night. Yeah. Um this is also the start where we were talking about the second half defense, the the adjustments. This season Oklahoma State scored their last points like 4 minutes into the second quarter. Right. And, and they it got wasn't blanked for what's that 30 40 minutes of game time.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't just this is, I think we've talked about this too or I hope we did. But this was the first year that you really saw these guys come out and battle in the second half. Mm-hmm. And whether they were down or whether they were ahead, they really battled and they really played. I mean, there's a couple of outliers in there, like the Kansas State game and the oh. Baylor game. Those were just kind of garbage. <laughs> but but for the rest of it, I mean, the, these guys came out and they played. And this, this was a really good feeling game against, uh, let me see, what? Number let's see, fifteen. They were number fifteen, three and 0 at the time. Oklahoma we're- State was way overrated because they had beaten Boise State. They beaten the crud out of Boise State, uh, who turned out to not be that great. But th- they were three and O, and we hadn't Tech hadn't won in Stillwater since ever, or had they won in Stillwater?
0: It Was at least before two thousand seven? Yeah. It,
1: it had been a long, long time since they'd won there, and it had just been a long, long time since they'd beat Oklahoma State, period. The last time they beat Oklahoma State was in 08. 2008. Mm-hmm. So that was a big monkey to get off off your back. Uh, as you said, Bowman played super well, and you could really kind of see momentum and, and hope turning our direction after the Ole Miss game where Carter went down on the second drive, I think, mm-hmm. and had to throw in... Bowman just to get through the game. Uh and then you came
0: back home and hosted Lamar and just it's him 77 to 0. And then and then, that was a lot of fun to watch, but it was like
1: meaningless cuz it was Lamar. Yeah.
0: And then you hosted Houston the next week and that was that was actually pretty fun.
1: Right. And you won that one 63 to 49 when against you, a good Houston team. You were And, and, and Bowman set like a freshman rec,
0: passing yardage record had passed Mahomes for that record.
1: Yeah, and Wesley had a, Wesley had the crazy 200 Something yard receiving mm-hmm. game. Uh, I think he set a record or a tech record at least.
0: Probably should have been on our honorable mention list. Yeah, although, yeah, on conference games so was a little.
1: It kind of it kind of skews a little bit. That was a really good win. But so then you follow that with this win, and all of a sudden you're three and one with your only loss to. Had an eleven a.m. kickoff against a power five opponent, the first game of the year, and, and you lose your your quarterback, quarterback then so you can kind of you, you're you're talking you're talking yourself into it, and you feel really good about it. Uh, it was it was a big win. It yeah, felt like, it felt really big.
0: Y- you you dominated pretty much all the way around. You had 621 offensive yards. You gave up only 386. Both teams had two turnovers. Uh, you converted 35 first downs to Golly. Oklahoma State's 18. And then you control the ball. I, we, we we joked about this while while we we're watching the game that Tech was employing a um, a clock eating offense. Tech held the ball for more than 41 minutes of game time to Oklahoma State's
1: 18. It was it was a pretty masterful clock management game, uh, which was also it good was to well see. coached. <laughs> so many things went right this game. Uh, penalties, I think. Uh, I was trying. I, I just remembered that watching it last last year. I've got to find it in the box score somewhere. I think we did a really good job. We Tech did a great job with uh, penalties, and I'm trying to find it. I'm killing time. They had four penalties for 25 yards. Oklahoma State had eight for 73, and that was one of those things that we were always, we're still always going to be worried about our mm-hmm. penalties, but. They were a non factor in this game, at least for tech. You outrush them by nearly a hundred yards. Yeah. On almost twice as many
0: attempts. So your your average was about the same. Um, but you ran the ball twenty two more times than they did. Which account like helps account for the almost twenty minute difference of yeah. possession you held over them.
1: Cornelius had more incompletions than he did completions. He was eighteen of thirty eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bone was thirty five of forty six still still had two two interceptions. I believe one of them was one of those crazy tip passes or something like that. But there's probably an arm punt in there too. Yeah, but it just man, that win felt good. It felt so good. It felt unexpected, especially to win 41 to 17. You you're not you're going into stillwater and you're thinking, "Hey, if we win, it's it's going to be down to the wire. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really tough." And then to just completely blow them out and not let them score. In the last, what thirty minutes of game time? <laughs> I, f- I forgot. You looked that up. It's you s- Forty. Yeah. So it was. Um, it was a good win. It was. Feel good. Honorable mention, though. Honorable mention. So, I believe it's time to jump into some questions. What do you say? Oh yeah, let's let's do it. I'm ready.
0: Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer?
1: Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it, who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't
0: handle the truth.
1: All I'm, right, I'm ready now. I'm ready to answer
0: some questions. <laughs> so ready for questions. Um, I had a little fun creating these little. Bumpers intro transitional stuff. Yeah, we got to get up uh, to
1: date with our terminology here.
0: We do. <laughs> All right. Um, I have a lot of uh notifications from a back and forth with Rob Bro and Chad Hasey this afternoon. Chad Hasey like tweeted out a picture of the Michigan State uniforms that are just straight trash. Yeah, and he likes it, and Rob Bro didn't. I was like, I I'd side with bro on this one.
1: Oh, yeah. I think Chad ironically <laughs> likes it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so
0: Cooper Burnett, uh, he, he sent us a couple of his, his honorable mentions. Uh, he includes 09 and 2011 Oklahoma, 15 and 17 Texas, 2012 West Virginia, 18 Oklahoma State, 15 Arkansas, 13 Holiday Bowl, 17 Arizona State at home. Every yeah. win
1: over TCU. Yeah, those always feel good. And All- those are always... The, those games are really interesting. They're always interesting games, even He's the ones Arizona lose. State? Yeah. No, against uh, TCU. Yeah, there hasn't been like a really. There's always something weird about them, or except
0: for except for 2018, probably was the least weird game. No, except that it was like a Duffy start, um, and Sean Robinson like ends the game on that like he scrambled and fumbled the ball
1: without being touched. Oh yeah, I guess you're yeah you're right. That one was just kind of an. But honor. that was like
0: a week night, I believe, like another Thursday night game. Anyways, uh, honorable mentions: 2011 Nevada. That was a one point win. So Seth Dagey, like fourth down past uh, Eric Ward to 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 win that game. Is at home. 2014 Central Arkansas. 2014 UTEP. If using the word the term best loosely, as in quote, thank God we survived. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. For those last four, basically, um, red Rider reset man. Who is the most under radar, under the radar impact player in your opinion? I'm I'm gonna stick with McLean Mannix still, which is strange because he hasn't done anything for Texas Tech, but his career at Nevada, I believe, right? He he transferred to Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, speaks for himself. I, I I think I think he's gonna be able to slide right in and and be productive here for, for Texas Tech. Um and just the way that I've seen David Yost use these type of receivers has me believing that Mannix could be primed for a big year. Do you have a under the radar guy?
1: Yeah, I do have an under the radar and I'm not trying to be uh you know, hot takey or anything Ooh, or hot take. No, I'm, I'm really not, but I but the kicking game. The kicking game is, is about the most under the radar out of any of uh any aspect of this off season, So, uh, obviously, they're going to be a big impact player. So, you know, Jonathan Garibay, he's a transfer guy that, that came in with some experience. But the other two kickers, Trey Wolf and Gabriel Lozano, are freshmen. So, the, I mean, with, with Red Raider Reset Man asking, you know, most under-the-radar impact player, it's got to be one of those three guys. It's got to be whoever ends up being the kicker because – wow, we've seen how how that can go when you have someone who is unreliable or who uh, who just can't make a 23-yarder. So I, I think that's going to be kind of one of those understated parts of the game that we're not really even going to know what's going on until it's too late.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, which away game
0: do you think we have the best chance for an upset win? So your away schedule this season is at Arizona, September 14th, so it's game three. And then at Oklahoma, two weeks later, so you have a, a bye week on the weekend of the 21st. Um, October 12th, at Baylor. I think you have a pretty good shot at beating, the, but I don't know if that'll be an upset. Probably. You probably won't be picked to win many, yeah. if any, away games. Kansas, October 22nd. Sorry, 26th uh November ninth at West Virginia and then November twenty ninth at Texas. So of those, I think I like your chances the most against
1: Baylor and West Virginia. I was about to say possibly West Virginia. You could you could potentially talk me into Arizona, but I'm really worried about the Arizona game. Um I I honestly think out of those three I feel like Matt Rule's kind of got a little bit of momentum in Baylor. Um, They're going to be jazzed to have us at their stadium Mm -hmm. for the first time. Since 2007. It's the last time we played in Waco. That's right. And I'm going to have to go with West Virginia, even though that doesn't – I don't feel good about it. But that's um, I think that may be the best chance for an upset win right now, just looking at it. They've got so much turnover. They've got a new coaching staff. Um, You know, Tech could roll in there and really surprise some people, or West Virginia may just – they may have a rough year too. I'm I'm anticipating that they will. Then give me Baylor. You're going to take Baylor? I'll take Baylor.
0: Um, TW to T-win 91. The UT win a couple years ago was fun. Little people, big world. That was that uh, play where Jakeen Grant basically crouched behind the offensive line, hid behind him because it was such a big size difference, and then took um, it's a fake a hidden handoff behind fake the line. Fake victory
1: formation, right? And
0: then, and then no, no, it, it, it wasn't that. Like Mahomes handed it to him and like, rolled out to the right as if he was going to throw a pass. Um, uh, Jakeen Grant held the ball and then took off running to the left. Um that was that was a lot of fun. That that play specifically was, um, I, it's just one of those things where you you see
1: it call like, how did that work? That that'll <laughs> never work again. That was incredible.
0: That, that it took guts. <laughs> what <right>? was that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that could have ended poorly. Friend of the show, Rob Bro, had uh, he threw his in there. He had best wins: twenty twelve West Virginia, twenty eleven OU, and then twenty fifteen UT or Archie. Which those are, those are all, those are all solid. Of course. Quality wins. All right. Um, Going yard. All right. Do we have an intro for going yard? No, not yet. Oh, okay. I I, guess we'll still do it. I need, uh, hold on. No, don't. (laughs) Hold on. Everybody, hold on. Make you do a going yard intro on the fly. I'm going to do it. It's just how good you are. Consummate professional. It's not gonna work. Nothing's gonna hold you back. No. It's not gonna work.
0: Not gonna work. I, I don't. I don't know what these are. Okay. Um, yard is bouncing back nicely now that I've raised up all the the sprinkler heads. The the grass shocker is getting watered. now. <laughs> um, I did not get a little bit of st- not sticker shock, but I got my bill from that time, and I was like, Oh yeah. Oof. Yeah. I had fourteen thousand gallons. Which was two thousand gallons more than I had last July. I was like, "Well, I'm watering longer," but I also had like a week where I watered every day because I was trying to get the grass back. So I was kind of anticipating that. Um, it's looking good. It's back, baby.
1: That's good. Glad to hear. It's gonna. It's gonna look really great once the weather starts to get a little cooler. It
0: when should, everyone
1: so, else's starts dying, sensing that fall and winter's coming, and yours is still just gonna be sitting there green and pretty. Yeah.
0: That that break in the heat we had a couple of weeks ago really helped. It timed up right when I when I decided to do all this. It's like, "Oh, look, we got some rain and I think we had highs in like the 80s." Oh, it
1: was wonderful. Yeah. It's it made fantastic. no sense. All
0: right. Are are
1: are we ready to to wrap this up and go with what we learned? I think so. Yeah. What 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 did we learn?
0: What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. <laughs>
1: All right, that's our last uh,
0: our last little intro
1: to what we learned. So,
0: Michael, I'll, I'll let you kick this one off this week.
1: I, I learned something that probably a lot of y'all already knew is that smoking a or putting a two pound <laughs> beef roast on the smoker just ain't worth it. Uh, so, explain what
0: a beef roast is. I don't know if I've ever well, just pot roast. Oh, you know why did you why did you decide to smoke a pot roast? Well,
1: because with when uh, we went to the store a couple of weeks ago, there was a buy one, get one deal. And so I told Allison, I was like, I'll oh, freeze one of them because I've been trying, I've been wanting to do this and just try to do a a makeshift brisket, like try to like a mini brisket. Yeah. Yeah. Just try <laughs> to get the kind of the same, the same feel of a brisket, but not take as long and, you know, not spend 70 bucks for a cut of meat and then you've got to have an army over to help you eat it you got to freeze it right. If it, You know, all that stuff. I thought, man, man, maybe there's some way we can do just a small one on a cheaper cut of meat and, and kind of get the same effect. No, didn't work. Uh,
0: <laughs> How did it turn out? What does a smoked roast taste like? Well,
1: I had it. I really thought it was only going to take a few hours because it's small. two pounds. Right. But that sucker stalled. I had it on for, I finally just wrapped it after three hours. And I was worried about it getting dry because there's not as much fat content. So I also put a little reduced sodium soy sauce in there. And all I seasoned it with was uh, salt and pepper, you know, like like you would a real brisket.
0: Like any true Texan?
1: Yeah, and so I just thought, man, this is gonna be a great experiment. It's gonna work out great. And it was at 155 degrees after three hours. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so I, I wrapped it. I Luckily. Like I For butcher paper. Uh, Butcher paper. Nice. Luckily, I remembered to throw some sausages on around that time. So because (laughs) if anything, you'll have something to eat. Yeah, that was. (laughs) And I we needed them because I put that I put it on at like nine in the morning, just leisurely. Got up on a Saturday and threw it on. I thought we would have this for lunch, even if it was terrible. Ah, you know, (laughs) because that's why I wanted the sausages too. But I'm really glad I threw those on there because that was what we had to eat for lunch because there was the meat was not done. And I think I let it on there for another two or three hours and it maxed out at 180 it, it and I never got no, I was like, that's it. We got to pull it. This is ridiculous. And I, I sliced it up and part of it was okay. A part of it was pretty good, but most of it was dry and not to be surprised. And the, I think the big thing, the big takeaway here is just, that was way too much wood, way too much time, way too much everything. For a two pound little roast that we ended up, Allison ended up doing the the good old standby that I've talked about on this show quite a bit is uh, whenever she has to deal with one of my briskets or something that didn't really turn out that great, (laughs) she made a a black bean chili, (laughs) which is what she had to do with this. And it was great. That was really good. You got that smoky flavor in there. Um, So it was worth it for that, but also, no, it wasn't worth it.
0: That this just reminds me, I, I need to I need to smoke something again. I yeah. I, I used a smoker last night actually. I, I I warmed up steaks to do a reverse oh. sear ribeye, um, but I I want to get back and do like a some barbecue. I think the last barbecue I had was at Fourth of July when my brother in law smoked a brisket for the family for our our tailgating the the fireworks show at McKenzie. I haven't done, like, true barbecue in a long time. That was
1: only the second time I've fired up the smoker all summer, I think, because we've been using that Weber kettle so much. I I did some fajitas the other night that were just fantastic.
0: It it was interesting. So, like, I I started the smoker and lit the charcoal for the Weber almost the same because I know steaks are only going to take, like, 40, 45 minutes to come up to temperature on the smoker. And then I forgot that you're supposed to rest the steaks in between. So by the time I got the steaks back out there, like my charcoal was on the way down, so it wasn't as hot as I would have wanted. I didn't get the not, as hard of a sear as I mm-hmm. wanted. <clears throat> still great to throw steaks on top of like real hot charcoal. Yeah, that was, that was quite, it was still really good. Um, woke up this morning still feeling like the meat <laughs> overindulged <laughs> myself on the on that steak, but it was so dang good. But yeah, uh, I'll have to I'm gonna have to do some. Some barbecue soon.
1: Me but. too. I, I haven't decided what, I, I talked to my friend who lives in California and of course they're into tri-tip and stuff and yeah, he does I've, that I've, quite I've always, a
0: bit. I, I've heard about tri-tip.
1: I've never had it.
0: Gosh, I just rubbed my, my contacts went to fall out a bit, but, um, I had yeah, it once. I, I, I haven't tried it. and then
1: It's really good. Cause you can, that is one that you can legit do. Uh, you can legit cook like a brisket and, and it's like a little mini brisket or you can cook it like you would a beef tenderloin. Uh, you know, 135 internal or whatever, and then just slice it and it's nice and pink and uh, just kind of serve it like that. So I think that's usually how he chooses to to cook it because I don't think he's got a smoker. He's got a gas grill, but he was talking about that and I thought, man, I think I would like to do that just because I haven't, I haven't used my smoker in a while and I feel like I'm feeling the itch. I feel Mm -hmm. like it needs to happen. Yeah. All
0: right. I think that'll do it this week for us on the 23 personnel podcast we will be back in two weeks to finish our best wins countdown we'll do our best three each so we'll have six games and then the week after that 27th we'll do our montana state preview for michael i'm spencer thanks for joining us this week on the 23 personnel podcast